0: If you have alignment and sponsorship from top management, then the change management piece is going to get driven. It has to be a business problem that the business is working on and not an analytics project. Because as soon as it becomes an analytics project, it's going to become an analytics outcome and not a business outcome.
1: I wanted to say a big thank you to our sponsor, Talent Insights. Talent Insights are Australia's leading data specialist recruitment business. They are experts in recruitment strategy and delivery for analytics and data teams. They are the go-to recruitment business for all your data roles in Australia, and they can help both with permanent hires and short-term project-focused data resources. I've used Talent Insights in the past, and I've always found them fantastic to work with. Visit them at talentinsights.com.au. Hi, and welcome everyone to another episode of Data Futurology. In Data Futurology, we aim to discuss the challenges that leaders in the space are facing. And we want to bring you different perspectives about how to tackle those challenges, how to improve the use of AI in your organization, how to cover more of the organization with analytics and really drive that data-driven culture throughout the entire enterprise. So thank you so much for being with us today. My name is Felipe Flores. I am your host. Great to see you, everyone. Before we get started, I can to say big thanks to talent insights who are our sponsor they've been sponsoring us for a long time so if you are either looking for your next role or you are looking to hire people give them a call they are great great people and very generous with us to help us create this content and offer it to the community for free so uh, show talent Insights some love where you can Today's episode is about using analytics across your entire enterprise. What does that look like to put in analytics behind every nook and cranny throughout the organization? How do you even do that? Like for large organizations, there is so much breadth to cover. You have to be working with so many different uh, stakeholders, have such a deep understanding of the business, be able to run an analytics function that is performing and uh, world class. And uh, for that, there's... Um, no one better than our guest today. Uh very excited to have Abby Seth on the show. He's the Vice President for Data Analytics and Insights at TE Connectivity, which is a huge company and we'll get Abby to tell us a little bit more about, about TE Connectivity. He's had a wealth of experience before this. He was head of data analytics at Honeywell Aerospace. So definitely. And uh, he's also an Advisor in the IA, the International Institute for Analytics expert network. So we are very excited um, to have Abby on the show. Abby, how are you going today? Great to see you, Mike.
0: Very good, very good, and thanks so much for uh, for hosting here and inviting me on this uh, Data Futurology podcast. I've been following your podcast for a while, so I'm glad to be here. Oh,
1: Mike you kind and we are very very excited to talk to you to have you on the show and to discuss all things enterprise analytics and the especially with the with the breadth of, of coverage that you've been able to to achieve throughout your roles um yeah I really like how you you're putting the the whole organization in in um in your in the mindset from the start so that's great before we jump into that could you tell us a little bit about uh, your journey
0: and how how you got to where you are today well, that's a great question. I think so. I mean, I started out my, my passion. I'm an industrial engineer by domain. Uh, that's how I started my journey as an undergrad and then got into research. And, you know, my Ph.D. was in mechanical engineering and human computer interaction. So Kind of a double major Ph.D. where I could, you know, read the human cognitive aspects and then, you know, virtual reality uh, applications for mechanical engineering, which is a lot about basically, you know, back what 20 years ago, it was really more all about simulation. Right. How do you simulate environments and models, create models where, you know, you create a suspension of disbelief for a user. Right. So you can actually make people believe like they are in a virtual environment, just like they're in a real environment. Um, So starting out from there, you know, I joined, I was going to go be a professor, but then decided to go join industry uh, on the dark side, I would say. That's what my (laughs) professor always called it, you know she's like, are you sure? You know, you want to be a professor, Avi? And I'm like, I had, so I did a postdoc. I had a, I had a small team, you know, of researchers. I was getting funding and I was applying for professor positions. And then, you know, I got, I got too excited about somebody mentioned virtual reality is just, a, um. I, somebody mentioned it's pretty pictures and a gaming tool, not, not very applicable for value in industry. And that got me, you know, changed very, very drastically to, I'm like, I'm going to show you that this is, this is actually valuable because mm-hmm. there are real industrial problems that you can solve with VR. So that's how I joined Caterpillar uh, r and Center. And we had like two engineers um, and one VR lab on the global r and Center for Caterpillar, large company, um, you know, $50 billion plus revenue, world's largest mining, construction, equipment, manufacturer, uh, great, you know, environment for driving innovation and growth. Mm-hmm. And, you know, as we did a lot of, World VR applications, what I realized quickly is we need to take this tool away from, you know, the hands of just two R&D engineers. So two people out of 100,000 knew to how knew how to use virtual reality. We had a separate refrigerated room that still laugh, you know, cracks me up because we had a separate refrigerated room for our computer that did all the calculations because IT could oh, not support it. You know, it had, was a stun microsystems uh, computer um, with a separate refrigeration system. It gets so hot, right, in our lab. Um, and we used to do manage support and run these demos. So how do you take, you know, technology that is so complex to use Mm -hmm. and then really put it in the hands of engineers so that they can use it on a daily basis to drive and build products and, and drive product development. And that's kind of the exciting thing that, you know, we did, uh, which was exciting in terms of taking VR and then just making it so easy to do file upload, you know, make, make people use, uh, technology that is so at the cutting edge and making it easy to use and then suddenly it took off and caterpillar had 14 vr centers and all the products wow. were using virtual reality in their product design so that you know how do you put simulation in the hands of engineering teams product development teams so that they can find issues early in the design process which is more like being predictive right before you cut mm-hmm. iron several hundred thousand dollars of, or millions of dollars of prototypes that you know you build and then you find out there is an issue with serviceability or visibility or ergonomics. You can find all of that in virtual environments, in the, in a simulation. So that's kind of like a predictive capability. Um, and that was very, very popular, captured a lot of value. And then I got into, kind of got bored doing the same thing. So I got into strategy. So I spent a few years in Japan with the executive nice. division, with product strategy and as I was doing my strategy role I started you know because of my simulation and math background I started using you know data quite a bit because you know four months in I realized as I talked to a lot of people and understand the business and really get my you know hands dirty I realized that a lot of people use a lot of perspectives I wouldn't say opinions but like a lot of perspectives that I don't know how deeply grounded in data they were So a lot of the strategy was yes, we are building high volume, we are going about doing this. And then as I start to dig data, then I realized that, hey, some of these are probably notions that are not applicable or not true. So I was able to start to show people the data. And actually a couple of projects I worked on was around inventory when we had a huge amount of excess inventory in the business. And I, I'm not going to say the numbers, but I mean, that project created more than $100 million plus of operating income in the first year. Wow. And that got in the first people year. People in the first year. And that was that was basically... Um, a huge amount of reduction in, in inventory, uh, for excavator division. And that got everybody's thinking that, Hey, you know, you're using data to drive, you know, operations and distribution strategy for, for one business. And these challenges happen across multiple businesses, right? So I think going back to doing it for, for the broader set, broader set of business units across Caterpillar. So I think I came back and joined the simulation group again, and then slowly got into analytics, um, as I started to drive more decision-making through data, right? So I was, I got very passionate about business outcomes. I mean, same thing that I did with virtual reality and how do you really take a technology that is early on and connect it with some outcomes. And then as soon as you connect it with outcomes and applicability and make it easy to use, it just took off from one VR center to like 14, 15 VR centers across the globe. Same thing Mm -hmm. is with analytics, right? How do you take, you know, capability to answer business questions and drive decision-making and then democratize it? And make mm. it easy for people to, to use, and then suddenly, you know, you can unlock a lot of value in a large, complex uh, industrial company, right? Um, so that's kind of how, how I got into analytics and and Caterpillar. It got some really, really exciting roles uh, and amazing leaders that I learned from, um, and mentors as well. Uh, so I a lot of that journey was really, you know, I got I got in charge of. Uh, Managing the analytics portfolio. So at that time we were doing a hundred projects a year and creating a hundred million dollars of identified opportunity, but only three percent of the projects were identifying the opportunity. 97% were kind of like experiments. So how do you shift? You know, that is like six, seven years ago, right? So how do you shift that thinking from, you know, how do you basically improve portfolio yield? How do you pick the right problems? How do you define what the outcome and value is? So I did a lot of got a lot of time to to do that and thinking. So that was a lot of fun. And And then at the end I was leading go-to-market for Caterpillar. So how do you take analytic products and build them for end customers and take analytics to market in construction, mining industry, uh, as well as some work in marine industry. So doing some analytics on Disney's cruise ships, you know, large mining trucks in Australia. So I had a lot of visits in Australia and Brisbane, you know, Sydney, Perth. So I love, actually, I love Australia and, you know, uh, love visiting. Um, and, and I think as I was doing that, you know, a call came from Honeywell where they said, hey, we, need, we are looking for somebody to lead mm-hmm. our analytics uh, team and build out an analytics team. And I'm like, okay, it's 2016. You don't have an analytics team? I was like, no, I yeah. don't have an analytics team. I'm like, okay, sounds good. You know, I can, I can, help, uh, I can help with that. And then, um, you know, very quickly I got, I got the position I got in. And that was really exciting because Honeywell had a very clear strategy around monetizing analytics and really becoming a software industrial Phenomenal set of people, you know, great support from top leadership all the way from CEO. And um, that really helped, you know, drive that momentum on how do you build a team? So we built a team all the way from, you know, three people to around 70, 75 people in two and a half years, took different analytics products to market, worked directly with end customers, um, did some enterprise analytics as well. So lots of fun building, you know, advanced data analytics and data science teams. And then you know, the TE opportunity side kind of knocked on the door, um, which was about not just the analytics piece, but also the broader enterprise architecture, you know, enterprise data management, data governance, and uh, managing all of the data and publishing it. And that I was like, okay, I've not done that before. Sounds challenging. And I think I'm always up for a challenge and learning something new. So I I decided to join TE. So I'm here responsible for enterprise data architecture, data management, data governance. Data visualization tools, architecture, and and data science um, scaling data science for the company. So that's kind of my current role. Man, a
1: huge a huge remit. Um, we had a comment from Conrad as you're we talking. He says, "Amazing experience uh, you have, Abby. Um, never knew Caterpillar and these companies do analytics. Um, I guess that so they're they're the dark horses in the industry, in the analytics industry. To say like, yeah, it's it's unexpected that." Um, you know, when you when you hear so much focus on on like telco and, and finance, and you know, maybe maybe even even healthcare and things like that. Obviously, big tech. That's kind of like where where people's mind goes to when you when you talk about or when, when um, at least in the media, that's where the, the data science and analytics focus is. Yeah. So to hear about heavy industrials and and how the analytics has been transforming companies in that space as well. It's, it's very exciting. Yeah. And being, being, you know, in in your case in the driver's seat, that's, that is excellent, man.
0: I think a lot of times it's interesting. It's a very interesting comment how the lack of awareness outside, I think industrial companies aren't too big at touting the horn on, on analytics. Hmm. (laughs) But if you think about companies like Caterpillar um, and, and Honeywell and TE, you know, they have deep engineering and domain expertise. Right. And, building really complex products and systems that require a lot of simulation and a lot of domain knowledge and technical knowledge to build right and and data is basically you know a uh, uh, important component in driving that integrated yes. supply chain you know the, the right customer experience right and I think that caterpillar has been doing analytics since um, if I remember right the first time I heard and I don't quote me I might be wrong but since 2004 um, in the form of when they called it analytics but yeah, I think yeah. uh, you know, as a term, but, you know, using data for driving decision making and and simulation has been happening since, you know, 90s at least, if not late 80s. Incredible. Um, And um,
1: actually, I'll I'll ask you a little bit to um, tell us a little bit about TE uh, in a second. But before I do, we've had Almost 60% of people have answered the poll so far. Um, so for the people, that, uh, and thank you, thank you for everyone who's answered it so far. For the people that haven't yet, uh, please take a moment to answer the poll. You should have a, either a pop-up um, or a banner on your phone, uh, usually kind of like in green letters. Um, otherwise, if you're on the computer, it'll be in the bottom in the in the Zoom uh, options there. So Abby, for the, for the people that don't know um, TE Connectivity, could you give us a, a a quick introduction?
0: Absolutely. I think TE is one of the companies that everybody has used a TE product. Almost everybody, I can I can say, you know, but probably not the most known brand name, right? So uh, TE Connectivity is a global company with around 14, $14 dollars of uh, revenue. We make um, products, you know, uh, small connectors, harnesses, uh, sensors um and specialized connectors basically relays for all kinds of industries so huge amount of business that we have is for auto industry so we are heavy into car electrification and traditional auto manufacturing right um and connectors for auto and then we have you know multiple businesses including you know we have we provide connectors for aerospace defense you know marine uh, uh systems and components you know data and devices so folks like amazon google um and and companies who are basically hyperscalers that are building these uh, large uh, cloud cloud platforms and, you know, compute farms, um, you know, dishwashers, you can find, <laughs> you can find a te component in a dishwasher, in a coffee maker, um, all the way, you know, you can see, you know, sensors that go across multiple industries from power plants to automobiles to, you know, data centers. Um, and a lot of, uh, you know, industrial equipment, you know, com- machines like you know, large mining trucks and and excavators and wheel loaders.
1: So uh, yeah, I wanted to to ask you about the um, about the centers of excellence. So uh, maybe we can we can start around um, uh, the on the purpose of centers of excellence, and then we can talk about building some and and kind of like take it take it from there. Um, so first, yeah, could you could you do a, an introduction of centers of excellence uh, for the people that don't know and and describe a little bit the, the purpose?
0: I think a lot of times the COE for analytics is really uh, focused on building kind of a core competency uh, within a within a company, right? Where you are able to bring and consolidate the talent from you know different business units, different areas, and then put all the talent in one place. And then the charter for a COE can be you know, different companies can pick a different set of objectives and success criteria, but ultimately the intention is to bring all kinds of analytics, BI, AI reporting talent together um, so that we can create a, you know, single one-stop shop and then optimize, you know, investment, uh, make sure that people have a community, you know, to, to, to basically be, be a part of, and then drive economies of scale right in terms of you know single decision making around tools, platforms, you know consistency and, consistency in processes, drive right? maturity around um, you know processes on how do you go solve the problem, how do you address something um, and and basically you know trying to centralize the investment so that you know you know what you have invested in and then hold you know some core team accountable right and that's the team that all the analytics projects kind of go to. So that's kind of a CoE um, yeah, that is, that is excellent.
1: And we had a, a question from, from she asking, um, well, two good questions actually. So I think we covered one of them is what is the data, data science or analytics COE's responsibility, which I think, um, I think you covered there, or would you like to expand on any, any parts of the responsibility?
0: I think the responsibility is really building their core competencies around analytics, right? A lot of the companies do not have analytics as a core function or a competency. So really, you know, that COE helps build that capability within the team and then really applying that capability to unlock some kind of a business or customer or shareholder value Hmm. ultimately, right? And then help people solve the problem. Yeah,
1: great, 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 great. And um, she also asks, uh, what is the difference between a uh, data science or analytics COE and uh, centralized
0: department? I think it's kind of the same thing. I mean, a centralized approach can be, you know... Now, COEs, you know, can be... It's a, It's an interesting question depending upon the company size, right? I think the centralized is basically when you look at a corporate function versus different business units, you know, if you bring all the talent in one location and centralize all the data and analytics talent and all the businesses and functions really use that central team, that's really truly centralized model of how do you serve analytics. Um, the other way can be a COE at the center and then small COEs can in, in individual businesses uh, is kind of another model, you know, but ultimately a COE can be a, you know, set of people who are, dedicated and responsible for analytics within either a whole company or within a smaller business unit and not having a single person reporting in a distributed way completely, right? I think some people really like hiring machine learning and data science experts under product managers, you know, one person each. And then that, that's another way of doing it.
1: Right, so so um, yeah, so then the other approach is having a
0: matrix structure, is that, um, is that what you mean? Yeah, I think having a having some kind of a matrix structure where you know, I think it's more like a distributed structure is what I meant, right? I think uh-huh. a distributed structure is you don't really have any analytics team. You just find everybody hires their own data scientist, their own analyst as they see yeah. fit. Yeah.
1: Yeah, 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 yeah. So there's definitely yeah, a lot of benefits to to centralizing, um, yeah, particularly like the the community aspect and having kind of like support and career paths and um, exactly. sharing of knowledge, which is so important in in the in in our industry. Um, do you think that there's there's a a point of maturity in the organization's analytics journey um, where it's um, where it's more important to, to be centralized and then other times where it, it makes sense
0: to be decentralized? That's a great question. And I think that I would say there are no real right or wrong answers in that, right? I think every company company culture has a big influence, right? On how the company actually operates and how much centralization of their functions, centralization is kind of a culture and other functions are centralized and the business units and the corporate teams are you know, used to working that way. Sometimes that model kind of works, you know, and then other companies, you know, are, are decentralized. But ideally, um, you know, there's kind of pros and cons, right, of both models. But having, a, having, you know, some level of deeper connectivity for analytics team with the business is always very important, is what I feel like. No matter if you have a team that is fully central or, or distributed or you have a hub and a spoke where you have competency within the business and competency at the center, You you really need to make sure that, you know, that connectivity with the business, understanding what the right strategy is and what's important, what are the value drivers, um, that is very clearly understood by the analytics team because it's ultimately analytics is really an outcome game and a business, you know, change management game more than an algorithm game. You know, although we talk about, you know, Hadoop, Python, Spark, you know, cloud platforms and data migrations, all the time but ultimately it's all about business change management and outcome and delivering the right you know customer and shareholder value
1: that is great um yeah i love that focus on on the outcome and on improving the business um that that's definitely the um it it, it from my opinion is the right way to measure the um analytics teams measure the the impact the benefit and it's a way that I think people should measure themselves, their, their own contribution. Uh, that yeah, it's not about, in my view, it's not about how many lines of code can somebody write in a day, but it's about what's the impact of the of the work that you're doing. Um, yeah, so it seems that you you um, have a similar point of view, and and you ingrained that through throughout your teams. Is, is
0: that right? That's absolutely right. I think so. That comes gets us to more like how do you measure success of analytics, right? I think it's really you know, it all starts out with what is the what is the objective? Why are you building an analytics team? And I think that's kind of the question I ask a lot when I talk to different companies and in my advisory role is what is the objective? You know, why do it, right? And I think having a very clear answer around the why um, and is it, actually very important. Otherwise you can apply analytics and digital and data in, in every kind of problem, right, that you want. And there is no end of problems we can apply it to, but until we know clearly why are we here? And that question needs to be answered before you hire your first data scientist, right? Yeah. Because that also influences the kind of people you want to hire, right? If you are building, for example, you know, predictive services around prognostics and, you know, component failure for a mining truck or an aircraft or something else, you know, a power grid, you need people who have engineering background, who understand FMEA, failure mode effect analysis, who understand you know basically it's how systems are made how mechanical and electromechanical systems work together um, and they have a very different way of thinking and iot data is very different versus if you are trying to go you know grow your grow your customer base or grow sales or drive digital marketing you know you really need a very different set of people or or you're trying to do you know pricing or finance analytics you really need a different set of people right so you have got to have your strategy you know very crisp and clear around why Why are you building the team and and what do you want to get out of it? And then the, the second important thing as the team starts to come along and you have an analytics leader, the other key thing is really understanding how are you going to measure success? Yeah. And it's it's very hard to do that because um, not every activity and every effort you're going to do is going to result in, you know, a direct you can point to, hey, analytics enabled it because ultimately yeah. analytics yeah. is an enabling function. You know, analytics doesn't really make you more money, it just help makes you smarter. You know, it's like the vitamin <laughs> that you yeah. take every day. You can't say, you can't, it's a good to have, but you can't say, hey, I, I, I did it. I came first because of that vitamin. No, uh, the point is that, you know, it basically, it's an enabling function. Um, but, you know, if you are able to clearly pick, you know, and understand, okay, based on your business strategy, what are the value pools? How do you focus that small analytics effort as you're building it? To the right set of problems to the right set of business objectives and then picking the problems that have a very clear outcome goal in terms of you can you know i always tell people you should be able to walk it in in one hand saying do you have what is the problem and you know what is the um insight you need to solve it right what are you going to do differently if you if you have the insight and who's going to do it right and how is how is value created Right. I think. And then somebody would say, what is the opportunity? Somebody say, Oh, I have a a hundred million dollars of inventory. If I can reduce 5% of it, it's going to be a $5 million uh, opportunity around the project. Well, great. You now have a financial number to tie to a project, but my next favorite question is, okay, so how do you make the first dollar? Yeah. On the problem. If I give you this insight, if I predict you X, Y, Z, you know, that a lot of people always worry about, you can't predict it's so difficult. Well, I've Mm -hmm. predicted more times. Then people have been able to get that for its dollar. Because you have to sit down and think about, okay, if I had this, here is what I would do differently. And here is how the outcome is going to create, get created. And mm-hmm. here is the KPI that we are already tracking and, and that's going to come down. Or is your ship to request date going to go up? Is your total chain inventory going to go down? Whatever that is. Um, but do you have a clear understanding of, you know, what is your problem? What is the insight? What's the value? You know, action. then then you can go and and do the analytics. That's kind of a qualifier in my mind. Man, that
1: is excellent. And we had a comment from Conrad saying that he he really likes the, how do you make
0: the first dollar? So that focus on value. um, The focus on value is absolutely critical. I mean, a few things you can look at, you know, in terms of metrics and managing analytics success, you can, you know, a lot of companies measure, measure intent, you know, so do you have strategic alignment? for the project, right? If you don't, the what it tells you, if you have alignment and sponsorship from top management, then the change management piece is going to get driven. It has to be a business problem that the business is working on and not an analytics project. Because as soon as it becomes an analytics project, it's going to become an analytics outcome and not a business outcome. <laughs> right? You get what I'm saying? Yeah. So it has to be a you know, business um, business project. So strategic alignment with the top business strategy or value driver is important. You know, the other thing you can look at measuring is team performance for analytics, right? Okay, is What is your NPS score? You know, are you projects within budget, within time? You know, what is your percentage product, project success? See, a lot of people measure that. Hey, I start all these POCs, how many of them are successful? How many are not? You know, a lot of people measured, I've seen, you know, I don't know, recently I've not come across, but team utilization, I've had this big COE, how much percentage utilization is, uh, this team is utilized, how big of a backlog do we have? But ultimately, you know, you, you, you get what you measure. Yes. Right. I think I've seen people measuring utilization, they got utilization. You know, I've seen teams measure ROI and, and impact and really spending time honing in on picking the right problem so that they can create the value and they got value. Right. So it's really all about on the result side, you can look at analytics ROI, realize dollars, not identified, but realized dollars. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then that come basically 12 to 18 months after you have implemented something. And then adoption. I think that's another key one to actually think about because as you think about analytics is all about change management. Adoption becomes a very, very good metric for any COE or yeah. any analytics team because, um, you know, I generally said 75% adoption because it's like three out of four projects get used by the business. And And when I say that, what I mean by that is, you know, you start out with a complex problem. You don't know you're going to solve it or not. But once it's solved and you have actually created the insight that you were thinking about, is it getting picked up by the business and getting, you know, t- taken forward and implemented? Or is it like, Oh, my priority has changed. Nice to know. Thank you. I love what the outcome, outcome you created, but you know, whatever that is after the, but, right. It's, exactly. it's basically not getting used, right. So you, you get <laughs> like, Thanks. Thanks, money. but no thanks. <laughs> thanks, but no thanks. Exactly. Yeah. If you get that, then you're like, okay. So if you can get three out of four projects that are successful and they get adopted you know that you're working on the right problems because i think a lot of the biggest challenge for analytics is you're not working on the right problem it's not about the model it's not about the data as much or those things are needed but if you pick the wrong problem you can spend months and weeks utilizing your very rare and few and hard to find resources on things that don't matter
1: exactly exactly right man i love i love your focus on this that brings this episode to conclusion thank you so much for listening please find us on datafuturology.com or on Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, or Instagram as Data Futurology. Also go to datafuturology.com forward slash podcast to find the show notes for this and any other episodes. If you like this episode, it would mean a lot to us if you could leave us a review wherever you listen to our podcast. I hope you enjoyed this episode and that it was helpful and valuable for you. Thanks again
0: and see you next time.